From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Monday, May 28th. Uh, sorry, Tuesday, May 28th, the year 2019. It is Scripps National Spelling Bee Week. Uh, Danny Flecker, are you ready for the spelling bee? Uh, I did not know it was happening, so I, I got to say no. Are you a watcher of the spelling bee? I am not, no. <laughs> How far did you ever get in your school spelling bee? I don't remember ever doing one, to be honest with you, so I can't, I can't answer that one. Interesting. I did not get out of uh, the local round. I didn't get anywhere. <laughs> I was stuck exactly where I was. Um, Danny's here to talk about what's happening in the world of sports. Um, let, let's let's start here. I think Brian Cashman's a Hall of Fame general manager. Um, he's he's won a bunch of titles, but more importantly, I think that any of the titles is the signings of guys like Kenji Morales and Curtis and and uh, and, and and Cameron Mabin, and all this stuff that has kept this team alive somehow, some way. This 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 Yankee team is alive and well, and I have no idea how they're doing it. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've talked about them a couple of times, um, you know, the last couple of weeks when we've done the podcast, and, you know, my my theory on them was, like, you know, just stay afloat, just stay 500, you know, you're going to get these guys back eventually as long as you keep a, a good distance between yourself and, like, the Red Sox and, and, you know, don't have to make up too much space there when you come down to it, you'd be in good shape if you were them, and, and you know, here they are in first place, I think, like, four and a half, um, games up of the of the of the Rays. I think seven and a half when I looked yesterday. I got um, up on the Red Sox and in a, in a spot here where it, they'll be in good shape when everybody comes back, and you can avoid them being on slumps a little bit with uh, the way that these guys are playing. And I think the big thing, the difference between the Yankees now, you know, and our as we enter our 30s, and the Yankees that we follow when we were younger, is that these guys don't have a, a world of pressure on them, per se. You know, you're still in New York, you're still expected to win, you're still expected to, to fight for titles, but these guys aren't being signed to save the club. So you have guys like, you said, Kendrick Morales, Tio uh, Oshella, um, it's uh, Jermaine, who had a bad outing the other night, but like, you know, overall been pretty good. These guys need to plug holes and they know what their role is. And I think these guys are going in there, they know what their roles are, they know that they're role players, they know that they have the opportunity here to potentially be uh, part of something good, and they're able to go in there, I think, a little bit more free spirited than maybe they were in the past. So it's been nice to see them play well. And not only play well, but win games and, and win And, you know, use the Tampa Bay model where, you know, they use their bullpen. But overall, these guys have been playing really well. It's fun to watch. It's fun to be a part of, you know, as a fan to see these guys go out there and, and make a name for themselves. And, and look, hey, you know, you need these guys now to play with you all year because Andy Ward's on the DL. Uh, not coming back this year. Uh, Tulowitzki, who knows when he's going to be back. And, you know, Judge has been out a lot. He's been back in the day. So, 
Observation number one of your new job, wherever you're leaving from, does not have the best cell service. This has been a choppy connection so far, but your point was made loud and clear. And indeed, the Yankees are two up on the Rays in the in the division at 35 and 18. What's going to be interesting for me, Danny, is what do they do at the trade deadline? And a lot of that could be how does DD come back? How soon does Aaron Judge come back? Do they need another starter? Do, do they need another reliever? Who else goes down? Um, you know, you've still got an all-star team on the DL. It's going to be really interesting. The Yankees could be acquiring literally anything at the deadline because of how many people have fallen this year. But then again, you you have a farm system where you could bring somebody up if need be, unlike the Mets who have basically exhausted every option they have. Yeah, I'm, I'm still going to take the stance that if you're the Yankees, you have to treat your DL as like trade line acquisition. Yeah. You know, hopefully Seve comes back by the trade deadline, Stanton comes back soon, Judge comes back soon, Didi comes back soon. Those are four guys there that you basically quote-unquote acquire. Um, you know, Paxton's due back, I think, this week for them. So that's a big uh, need for them in starting pitching. I still think they're going to go out and get a depth piece, whether it be a fifth starter or um, a bullpen arm. You know, look back, you know, a couple of trades they made the last couple of years, guys like Jamie Garcia, you know, arms like that, I think that they're going to probably get. From a positional standpoint, I don't think they really need anything. You know, when these guys do come back, they're going to have depth in the outfield. You're going to have Clint Frazier on the bench that can come in if someone else gets hurt. You're going to have guys like uh, Urshela on the bench that are going to be able to play. Yeah. You have a super utility guy in DJ LeMahieu who's playing all over the place and one of the league leaders in batting average. So, you know, they're going to have the depth there offensively. I think it's in the in the rotation and the bullpen where they might add a depth piece, whether it be uh, a guy like, um, you know, in the mold of a Jamie Garcia. I don't know who's going to be available now. You know, there's a big fish out there in uh, Madison Bumgarner. Maybe they go after him. I, I don't know if I'd do that if I were them. Uh, that's a big piece to get and to, to add. You're going to give up a lot of what's made you great so far this year. But, you know, they could add a... a a bullpen arm or a starter that's out there that could add uh, give them some depth. Or if they want to be really aggressive, maybe they go after a guy like uh, DeGrom or Syndergaard, you know, on the Mets who just can't ever get out of their own way. I don't think the Mets... I don't think the Mets are going to be sellers like that. Um, we'll see. Um, remember, also, that's Dallas Keuchel's out there. So, you know, that, that, that that's another arm that can come there for cheap. Yeah, I mean, for the Mets, you know, they got to figure out one way or another what the hell they want to do because <laughs> they are competing, and when they do compete, they just shoot themselves in the foot. You know, you have Cespedes who falls down a hole at his ranch rehabbing. Yeah, like, um, how does that happen? And and where is there a ranch in Port St. Lucie, Florida? Yeah, you know, I, I think he was just drunk and fell off a horse, to be honest with you. <laughs> That is just a bizarre, bizarre story. Before we move on, Luke Voigt, I mean, what can't he do? I mean, talk about a, a rags-to-riches story, you know, for the Yankees. This guy yeah. was on the Cardinals. They didn't have a place for him. They pick him up for cheap, and, 
you know, here he was last year who he got on a tear last year at the end of the season and he's been filling in and playing admirably this year and really carved, a, carved out a nice little spot for himself on this team. And you, you need guys like that on a team if you're going to compete for a title. You can't have the highest payroll and have also just every single position. You're going to need guys that you're going to find that maybe have out of the, their mind years or just are stable players for you. And again, you look back at the Yankees that we loved dearly back in the late 90s and early 2000s, you got, you got guys like Chad Curtis, Scott Brocious, you know, guys like that that no one wanted and that the Yankees seemed to get the most out of. And those are the type of guys that help you win championships. So, hey, it's great to see a guy like him on the Yankees and doing well. And he's not fading off so far. He's only going to become more valuable guys to get players back and keep and their lineup becomes deeper and he doesn't have to hit in the cleanup spot. He can hit, you know, six or seven to still provide you that pop and that run production. And also somebody who's going to uh, make it very hard uh, for Greg Bird to find a place uh, when, if and when he gets healthy. Um, yeah, I mean, there are two options, right? Luke Boyd's got the opportunity. He's played well. Greg Bird, Greg Bird's had the opportunity. He just keeps getting hurt. So yeah. he's reward the guy that's been able to, to play for you and give you the production that you need. Talking to Danny Flecker here on Teeing It Up. All right, um, Stanley Cup final started last night. Bruins won 4-2 over the Blues. I'm not a hockey guy. I have no say in the matter. I am happy, though, that, that an alum from our college, Quinnipiac, uh, Connor Clifton, scored a goal. He's the first Quinnipiac player uh, to score a goal in a Stanley Cup final, which is awesome for him. That city must be all in on that team, especially after what's happened with the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Clifton, he's had a great Stanley Cup playoffs in general. He's played awesome. He's you know on the third D, uh, D pairing there, but he's been uh, moving his way up. You know, he was on a power play yesterday. He's been playing great. You know, two two big goals he scored. He scored yesterday, and he scored in the um, Carolina series. He had a big goal for them. I think it was in Game Two. So he's been playing great. That team in general has been playing great. They're fun to watch. Uh, you know, I was talking with some buddies a while ago. After the, you know, the Lightning went out and the Cats went out and the Penguins went out, it was like, if Boston doesn't win this year, when are they going to win with this core? And they're taking the most of their opportunity. They're, they're been awesome on the power play. Tuka Rath has been playing well. Their defense has been playing well. Uh, so they've been able to survive nights where their top line isn't, isn't visible. And that's just a testament to, you know, the depth that they have with the lines that they have. So they've, they've been fun to watch. If they don't win this series, it's going to be a tough to swallow for that team. But I think they take care of the Blues in five, to be honest. I don't know if the Blues have the depth to, to take the Bruins out, especially here up in Boston. It's a tough place to play. And when that crowd gets going, it gets going. And look at last night. They were down 2 nothing. We're able to string four in a row together. So it's a tough place to play. The Blues aren't for a challenge. But, you know, Blues were in last place end of January, so they're not, you know, going to fold on the pressure, but I still think Boston's just a better team at the end of the day, and it takes the series in five. What a run Toronto has had, uh, the Raptors, to get to their first ever NBA Finals, the way that Van Vliet and all those bench players came up and really played big against um, uh, Giannis and company. You know, to to come back, win four straight games, beat the Bucks after going down two nothing at uh um in in the series, 
I still think this Warrior team is better. I think they're better even without Kevin Durant. But you cannot underestimate what Kawhi Leonard can do to that team. And if one of their bench players, like a Van Vliet, gets hot and makes a bunch of threes like he did in games five and six, you never know what will happen. What's your read on this series? Yeah, I mean, the Bucks series was an interesting series. You know, the Bucks came back in game one, took game two convincingly, and then uh, really got beat pretty badly in game three and four. Game five, weren't able to close them out. You know, they had a lead in Toronto, just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. In game six, I think the Bucks were up, and then they, they blew the lead. And I think that this goes to show you that when your best player is a guy like Giannis, you need him to be like your Kevin Durant. You know, he couldn't get anything going inside. He took away the inside. He can't shoot. He's a mediocre free throw shooter. And all that does is put more pressure on your other players to make shots from outside. And they just couldn't do it. So when you have a guy like Kawhi Leonard, who was hobbled for most of the second half of that series, put his team on his back, you know, you could get to get the paint. He was making some big threes, a great free throw shooter. Uh, you just hope that your role players have big games, and they did. And, you know, this, that phase in basketball, that role, role players play better uh, at home than they do on the road. But Toronto's played really well on the road. So you got to hope that that translates for you in this series against Golden State. And I think it's going to be tough for Toronto to duplicate what it is that they've done the last couple of series. Remember, they had a top seven game series against the... Okay, continue. I think if you're in Toronto, it's imperative to take one game at home at least. you got to go back to Oakland 1-1, if not 2-0. But it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be tough for them to win two games in a row against the Golden State team. So if they go back 1-1, I think that series is up in the air for a little while. It depends on how you leave Oakland. Uh, but I still think Golden State should take that series in, in five or six. Um, you know, for me, this comes down to Iggy and Sean Livingston and uh, Looney and all those guys off the bench. Because if Durant's not out there, Steph or Clay, somebody's going to be taken out of the game. But it's these other guys who stepped up for them in Durant's absence. They went right back to the, how they used to play. If Draymond Green can, can, can keep his emotions in check... I think this team is going to be on its way to another title, and then the offseason craziness starts, and God knows what's going to happen then. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this team plays, knowing that this is probably their last go-around as the team is right now. So uh, I just think that if you're Toronto, you have the advantage in games one and two. One, you're at home, and two, Kawhi doesn't have to guard Kevin Durant. He can guard a guy like Iguodala or uh, a Clay Thompson that might be, I don't want to say an easier matchup for him, but more in his in his comfort zone. So you take two games away of having guard Durant, you should be able to hopefully, you know, win one of those games knowing that you have the opportunity then to come back for games, you know. I forget how the, the finals are formatted. I think it's a 2-3-2 two, two format. No, nope, it's 2-2-1-1-1. Uh, two, two, one, one, one. There you go. Okay, so there you go. You know, and it's, that's why it's even more imperative for, for Toronto to win one of those games at home to start off because you go down three, you go down two zero going back to Oakland. It's going to be tough to steal a game there. Um, 
We are talking to Danny Flecker here on Teeing It Up. Uh, as, 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 as we look ahead, excuse me, as we look ahead to the game uh, that'll be contested in, uh, excuse me, let's try that again. As we look ahead to the game that'll be contested overseas in, I, I think you said Madrid is where the Champions League final will be? Yeah, it's in Madrid. All right, Liverpool-Tottenham. They've had a couple weeks off. The Premier League season ended. Liverpool did not win the title. They were able to solely focus on this. As you look at the Sunday, where's uh, Sunday, right? It's on Saturday. Saturday, excuse me. I'm totally botching this last segment, folks. Uh, Where's your head at? I still think Liverpool has the better team. Again, these teams are very familiar with one another. I expect it to be an emotional game, testy, physical. Um, you know, Tottenham's resilience in their Champions League pursuit has been world class. They've been able to, to fight off um, aggregate scores that, you know, no team should be coming back against. But, you know, when you look at the way Liverpool's had their success, they've just been the better team. They have a solid defense. Um, you know, really good attackers on the wings. Their midfield is, is strong, too. So I think a lot of this for Tottenham comes down to goalkeeping and their midfield. Can their midfield control enough to the game to create the chances for the guys up front while limiting, you know, the transition game that Liverpool has? And Tottenham's goalie, Hugo Lloris, you know, he's was the World Cup winner on the France, you know, he was their starting goalkeeper, so he's used to big games, but he can have moments of, you know, ineptitude, and uh, if he's able to have his A game, it's going to be really big for Tottenham, but at the end, a lot of it comes down to, you know, transition style, you know, you know, we were just talking about the Golden State Warriors, picture Liverpool as the Golden State Warriors, fat. You know, they pass a lot. They rely on ball movement. They rely a lot on transition, odd man attack. And they want the opportunity to, to you know, keep the field wide and then attack you from the, in, you know, from the outside in. So can Tottenham limit that? And that's where the midfield comes in. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of formation Tottenham goes with and, you know, who they get out there. If Harry Kane's fit, if he can play, it's going to be interesting. But I still think Liverpool has the edge just given that you know, this is the second year in a row they've gotten here. You know, they probably have a really bad taste in their mouth from last year, and this team has played exceptional all year. I think they only lost one game in the in the domestic league and in uh, the Champions League, only two or three, I think. So I think that they're they're hungry, they want it, but can they overcome the initial, you know, I guess, Physicalness that Tottenham is probably going to try to come out and play with, knock them around a little bit, and uh, you know when that happens, you know you get retaliation, yellow cards, red cards, stuff like that. So we're going to see how that plays out. But I think it's going to be an exciting game. I'm really excited to watch it. A, a good cap off to the, to the season for soccer that you know was a really good one. Uh, talking to Danny Flecker here on Teeing It Up. My apologies there for the uh, slight medical issue that I had a moment ago. We are doing fine over here. Uh, any thoughts before I, I, I let you go? Um, you know, it's interesting that, that that we have all this soccer jammed up together. And there's been a complaint uh, from the women that the 
Gold Cup, the Copa Americas, and the Women's World Cup final are all on the same day in July. Um, as a soccer fan, I have no idea if, if you'll be watching the Women's World Cup or not, but just this notion of three big soccer uh, tournaments all ending on the same day, it seems like somebody messed up here. Yeah, it's tough because these tournaments are based off the calendar year, so if it's, you know, it's just a cycle that, that it falls on, which it happens to be a perfect storm. You know, as a sports fan, I'm kind of happy because there's stuff to watch. You know, we're going to hit a lull here pretty soon where there's nothing on except for baseball um, to carry us through until football gets back. You are forgetting about golf, Danny. You are forgetting about the U.S. Open and the Open Championship. How dare you? Uh, but it's only a weekend, you know, and it's only true. really exciting on Sunday if there's guys in contention. So um, it's going to be fun to watch if you're a fan you know I, I get the complaint if you're a, a woman soccer player you know you have one big tournament every four years you're hoping to have the eyes of the world on you uh, you want that exposure you want that ability to, to perform at the highest stage and, and have people talk about you um, but I think the one thing that they're forgetting is that this is you know despite those two tournaments you mentioned the World Cup is still the bigger tournament of the two and the women's field for the first time in a long time is really deep, you know, at the top. You know, there's a lot of teams there that can fight, you know, the United States to, to take home that trophy. So it's going to be a very exciting Women's World Cup regardless of what else is going on in the men's stage. And you got to remember, too, with the domestic leagues that the men, men's play in and uh, the cycles that international men's soccer goes through, that those tournaments might not be fielding, you know, full teams. So... If you're the women here, don't worry about that stuff that's going on. Put your best foot forward. You have the opportunity here if, you, if you're the U.S. Uh, women's team to go back-to-back and, and really cement yourself as one of the best women's nations in the world, if not all time. So take that opportunity and run with it because if the United States is in the World Cup final, all the viewership is going to go there anyway. So just, you know, do your job, get there, and then have the opportunity to your place in history. You've got that right. Uh, Danny Fleck, anything else before we say adios? No, it's going to be a fun week, you know. Game two tomorrow, game one on uh, Thursday, and then, you know, whatever the calendar dictates after that, some good sports here to, to wrap up, you know, the summer and spring seasons here, and then we get into uh, the nitty-gritty of baseball and hopefully, you know, uh football season where we have our top players available so it's going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds and again you have like you mentioned the craziness of the nba free agency which has taken on a life of its own the last couple of years as well so we'll see what happens between now and july 4th it's going to be an interesting uh couple of weeks yeah it sure will danny flecka thank you as always for joining us on teeing it up no problem, man. Have a good night. You got it. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.